Yes, coming in hot with episode 33 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean, and I'm joined by a man who's now remote again and can continue recording with no pants on. Jobber, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. I just took my strides off to get comfortable. So really excited for the pod. Been another massive weekend. Um, I It's hot, but it's good. I'm really excited about this week. So are we going to get straight into it? Yeah, we, we may as well get into it. So um, we have a, an opening question, some weekly happenings, EPL review, and then believe it or not, we've got a game or two in um, one or two days. Rogers Multi, socials, we've got a couple of emails there as well. So let's crack in with the opening question. Hey, Merry Christmas. The Premier League is really on now. All right, so Manchester Derby was the talking point of the weekend. Both teams were unable to take any semblance of a risk to try and win the game. Um, as Ollie played on his iPad, Pep's gigantic bald head was seen to be pulsating as his giant brain seemed unable to comprehend what was going on. And I was sitting there thinking, as I watched the veins pop out of Pep's head as he was trying to outthink Ollie while Ollie played Candy Crush, if you had the money that both of these titans of football were spent, what would you spend it on? Ollie loves that little iPad thing, doesn't he? He seems to be always playing on it. Um, if I'm Pep, I am getting a hairpiece, I think, like, and not like the you know Giuliani-type spray-on stuff that runs down the side of the face. I'm talking like an actual piece of roadkill. Um, nice bit of fur on top of the head. <laughs> so if, I'm, if I'm Pep, that's what I'm getting, some plugs reckon, or, or something. Do you reckon Pep can grow hair and he just shaves it like Martin Skirtle? No, I think he's actually bald. You saw him at the end of his playing days. He's bald. Um, and then if I'm Ollie... I'm getting a new pair of boots and I'll be looking to become one of our favourite um, player managers. So, Whoa. new pair of boots for Ollie and a, pe- and a rug for um, Pep. What have you got? What's he do with the iPad? Oh, you just give it to Caro. Yeah. So, I don't know. If I'm Pep and I've got Man City money, um, I thought long and hard about this. I'm buying Spain. So, the country of Spain. The country, okay. Yeah, because I just think Man City, they've got a bit more to spend. Um, so I think if Pep got the bargaining right and sort of sent Messi the other way, um, he could potentially get Spain. So if I'm Ollie, I think the obvious thing that I would get is David Beckham. Um, I think Ollie made a lot of his career off David Beckham crosses. Beckham's a good-looking rooster too, so it takes a bit of the pressure off Ollie with the camera because, you know, it's always panned into him playing on his iPad. If you've got Bex in the dugout, any chance you get, the camera's going to Bex. So it just takes a bit of heat off everyone. Plus, he could probably still whip a ball in and do a job for him at right mid as well if you need him to. <laughs> You'd think so. But um, you know how normally the they have like the manager and then the assistant coach like a, just an ugly, fatter, bolder version of the manager? So that's not really going to work in that situation. But when the camera does pan over to the bench, if Beckham's on there, they're probably going to be um, framing him up, not Ollie. Yeah, maybe like put him in a G-banger or something and get him running laps just, <laughs> just to get the people up and about. Um, all right, so look – There's been quite a bit going on this week. So um, one of the favourites of the pod and definitely an icon of yours, Mike Dean, achieved a personal milestone during Aston Villa's fiery 1-0 win at Wolves on Saturday lunchtime. Did you see this? This was history-breaking. Didn't know. What's the achievement? What's he done here? So so Mike Dean's been officiating the Premier League since the year 2000 and he reached his 3,000th yellow card as uh, Villa took on Wolves. So Villa defender Matty Cash, um, who I'm not a fan of, was the recipient of the hor- historic caution as Dean brandished yellow card in the 29th minute. Never one to shy away from the big decision. Dean kept busy. So he's given out his 3,000th. He's now up to his 3,008th. Um, he handed out another eight yellow cards in the match um, with Jean Mortinho and Douglas Luiz both receiving two each in this historic occasion. 
I imagine Deeney's got the, the record then. I don't know if he's got the record, but I'd say he'd have some sort of plaque. And I hope, I imagine if it's Deeney, he wants some sort of ceremony next week. Yeah. He loves a, loves dishing out the yellow cards with a bit of attitude too, a bit of zing to it. Yeah, it's a real, real character of the game. So just on the weekend, none of the big six were able to get maximum points this week. Do you remember the last mm, one? Not true. Which ones? Leicester beat Brighton, mate. None of the big six. So United, City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Spurs, and drumroll, Chelsea. Chelsea. Um, yeah, so Leicester are not in the big six. Um, let's just make sure everyone's aware of that. So none of the big six picked up points, um, which brings me on to my next point. So Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang broke his goal drought this week. Oh, no. We will revisit this. I wanted to mention it twice. So he scored the winner in the Arsenal-Burnley game. Sadly, it was for Burnley. <laughs> Yeah, so what? So he's got the stat of um, he's now scored more goals against Arsenal than for Arsenal this Premier League season. Is that right? Yeah, and there was a good image of an Arsenal fan putting his face mask over his eyes. <laughs> uh, but we'll come back to that. I'll, I'll give myself a bit of a favour and watch Arsenal fan TV today as well. So Ajax have confirmed that Quincy Promise missed training on Sunday amid reports in the Netherlands he'd been arrested. So apparently he stabbed one of his family members. Jeez. Um, uh, it happens, mate. That was especially around Christmas. Um, and yeah. Roy, if you haven't seen Roy Keane's highlights from this week, do yourself a favour and go on Sky Sports and watch Roy's moments. My God, he's funny. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you take him and, and listen to the stuff he says and think, yeah, that's right, I agree with him? Or do you, does he sound a bit like old Manny and a bit out of touch? Or is the truth somewhere in the middle? I think it's somewhere in the middle. Mm. I think he's, he's a turned down version of Graham Souness who's just sort of lost the plot. Um, yes, yes, but Kino yeah, is yeah. still a bit more relevant. But some of the stuff he says, like, is is fairly obvious. Where they're like, he's talking about the wages, and they're going, "Oh, you know, he's the highest paid player at the club. He's going to produce." And then Mick and Richards is like, "You were the highest paid player at Manchester United." He goes, "Yeah, but I produced every week." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he had he had a good one for Gary too, where um, Gary's like, oh, "I played every week," and he's like, "You only left back, or only right back of the club, Gary." Um, all right, so these are favourite. We might post it up later, but let's get into it. So the weekend started with Leeds United taking on West Ham. So that was live during the last pod. What did you make of this one? And uh, have Leeds got some problems at set pieces? Yeah, they've got some problems at set pieces, but not just set pieces really. I, I think the, they don't really run out games that, that well. I think the energy starting to dip and as the games come thick and fast, as we, as we mentioned, I think they're going to drop more points. Decent start here um, for Leeds. They they got away to uh, um, to 1-0 up um, early on with a pen, but like they got out of jail with a pen because it was missed initially and ha- had to be retaken because he was the keeper was off the line. So. I don't want to be too critical, but my God, that was a shit pen. Bad pen. The first, bad obviously, the second one went in, so it was all right, but the first one, terrible. Only second to Lookman's penalty from from earlier. But I feel like VAR should have some sort of override feature there if the penalty's that bad. (laughs) Like just to add a bit of dynamic to it. Like because I was, was like, he must be joking. Like that was so. It was all slow, and Fabianski didn't really do like. Oh, that was harsh on Fabianski, wasn't it? When he left the line. Oh, they had. Yeah, they brought VAR out to have a look at him um, leaving the line, and he had like a shoelace off the line, and. Yeah, it had to be retaken and, and then they conceded. So, Yeah, it was it was disappointing Fabianski, but Leeds take the lead. Um, very open game, this one. Very open, very entertaining game. But you always sort of got the sense that West Ham were going to be- get back into it. And uh, they did. 25 minutes in, set piece, of course. Thomas Suchek, bang, one all. 
He scored some goals this year, Suchek, hasn't he? Yeah, he's a big bastard. Seems to get on the end. Of, <laughs> seems to get on the end of those uh, set pieces fairly well, but very disappointing. And then a lot of chances in the game. Um, Rafinha, Phillips, all impressive. Um, Leeds, Leeds have this really like it's. I don't know if it's a movement of Bamford and Rodrigo or the passing, but they seem to be able to like put a ball in behind from anywhere. And it's usually off a touchline, like draw teams out one side, and then they'll be able to like zip one across for Bamford or Rodrigo. Yeah, they, they did that against Chelsea. Some of the through balls against Chelsea were, were quite good, and that's, that's where they got the goal. And, and even when they picked up the, the penalty, that was a, a through ball as well when um, Bamford went over. But yeah. yeah, I think like Bamford gets himself in good spots. I think his finishing needs, needs improving. Yeah. So, so crack on there. So, Bamford, um, a couple more chances throughout the game. West Ham had 19 shots in this game, so they were pretty good for it. Leeds dominated the ball. But, again, towards the end, Leeds are undone by a set piece. Yeah, and cost them the game and the points. So, no, great, think, great header from Og Bonner. Like, I really enjoyed watching that hit the back of the net. He, um, he's a big bastard too, actually, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, West Ham are a really, really big team. So, I think if you if you have a look at um, Leeds's history of set pieces this year, um, terrible. They concede a lot of goals, but then you look at the size of West Ham um, and how they play. I think really we probably should have seen this coming. Don't you think? Yeah, and then Leeds did have a chance to win it late through, I think it was Rafinha on the header there. But just one other thing I want to touch on this game. Did you see Sebastian Elio's bike? Yeah, not bad. Oh, Close. shit. That would have been amazing if it had gone in. What a save from Melia too. Yeah, come, both the keepers make good saves in this game, I think. Yeah, yeah Melia's a really good shot stopper. Um, but good enough for West Ham. Did the job. Uh, three points. So that leaves West Ham in... Six. Whoa, and, and and Leeds struggling in 14th and they've only won one of their last six, so struggling a bit. Got 22 goals on the way as well. Yeah, tough times for Is it, ju- is it just me or do they look very tired? <laughs> it's not just you. They do look very tired and as we said, I think it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better, is it? Yeah, I think Marco's got to invest or potentially look to rotate some of the boys because they look quite haggard. Are you worried about Leeds a bit? 14th, struggling a bit, games come thick and fast. Like, could they find themselves in a, in a bit of trouble or is some of those teams below them just much worse? Uh, they've got a little bit of a buffer with some of the smaller clubs like Arsenal, Brighton, Burnley underneath them. Um, but, like, they're, like, they're only, what, six points off Fulham. Fulham are starting to turn around a little bit. Obviously, Burnley beat Arsenal. Brighton are an interesting one. Um, and <laughs> Arsenal... But yeah, no, they could be in a little bit of trouble. Like they started so promisingly, but they—I don't know—they just haven't solved the those basic issues around set pieces yet. Mm. They just seem very easy to get at. Tough one. All right, we might leave that game there. And where are we off to now? We're off to uh, Newcastle West Brom. Good win here for Newcastle. Newcastle two, West Brom one. Good yeah, start. Two, two games for West Brom two. <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, what was it? Was that Miggy Almiron after what was it, 20 seconds? 27 seconds, I think, was the goal, yeah. Yeah, bloody hell. That's some great defending from West Brom as per usual. Um, good finish from Almiron. He's, he hasn't got enough goals in his game for my liking, but um, he tucked that away quite well. Yeah, nice little slip ball to get, get it to him as well. But I think like if you're Billich and you're standing on the touchline, you think, right, you know, we've had a tough start of the season. We need to get things right. We need to sharpen up at the back. We need to stay so- oh, one nil down. Like before you can even get started, like what hope have they got when 
Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're the gaffer of that team, it just must be so frustrating to just watch them concede goals in the first 25 seconds of a match. And like Joel Linton threw ball. Almiron. Yeah. yeah, I was like, my God, like, how does that happen? Joel Linton. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But you, for the amount of times you keep saying, oh, Joel Linton is terrible, we keep bringing him up. He's, he's, he's ransom for yeah, no, and look, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty clever ball in behind there, but West Brom were just so flat, and they just like it looked like the game hadn't started for them yet. Um, but yeah, Billich got some problems back there, but um, pretty entertaining game actually for one that could have been quite dour. Um, and then so we're one nil up here, but then Darnell Furlong scores one back. A bit lazy from Newcastle. Forty nine minutes gets it to gets it to one all. Um, and at this point, you're thinking mm, maybe West Brom can get something out of this game. The game sort of turned after half time, didn't it? Yeah. Do you think the defender should have done better for Furlong's equaliser? Oh yeah, definitely. Flat footed, great. Like looked like a really nice strike, but I just don't think he ever should have got to it. Yeah, I just the the footwork isn't like he, he's lunging instead of like taking shorter, sharper steps. Yeah. Sort of like the heavy set gents that um that I know. But look, um, that's it. So one all. One all, and then one of the smallest guys on the pitch pops up to win a header. Cracking header, cracking header. Gale, what yeah. header? He's he's a he's an enigma, isn't he? The white Gale. He's done it in what the championship, about... but yeah. Yeah, well, just yeah, I think he's trying to find his level too, similar to to Bamford and Abamyang and that. Like they don't know are they Premier League strikers or not. Do you know what I mean? They're still trying to find their feet. Yeah. Um, but what about the ball in to Gale? Yeah, you see the whippage on that? Oh my god. <laughs> I couldn't track down who who crossed that in. Um, I think it was Murphy. Oh, the quality on that ball, unbelievable. So I think Murphy had only just come on. Jacob Murphy, he'd only come on recently. Um, yeah, some ball in. That's a Jeez. good a good striker's finish too. So great three points there for Newcastle. Um, Brucey's boys climbing again. Um, They're doing all right, Brucey's boys. I think like initially you had them sort of. Down the bottom, not in relegation, but like, um, you know, not comfortable. But they seem to be doing okay. Seem to be rather comfortable. Got like a nine point buffer um, to Fulham. So yeah, I don't think Bruce is going to see any trouble this year. No, seventeen points after eleven games, and I suppose the target's going to be forty for Newcastle. So they're mm. almost halfway there with only what a third of the games done. Not even. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think Newcastle, like they for Newcastle's. Well, current Newcastle, that's how they're flying. Like, they're just getting enough. They're winning the games that they need to um, and not getting battered the other week. So, yeah, it's a pretty good time for Brucey. Yeah, but Bruce is doing well. And, Brom, who, and so who not goes, a fan of his football, though. Who goes first, Billich or Wilder? Oh, it, like, mm, I would sack Wilder first. But I think Sheffield United have made a decision. We're going to stay with him, write him down. Therefore, I think Billy should go. Does, yeah. does that make sense? But yeah. you've got to stay wilder first. Oh, they're minging. Yeah, they are bad. But so that would be another sacking for another sacking for Billich, which would be no good. What? Where does Billich go next? Does he go back to the down to the championship and sort of pick a team up from there? Because I can't see him getting another Premier League job um, after sort of losing the West Ham job, and then if he's soon to lose the West Bromwich Albion job. Yeah, I, reckon, I think he'll end up in one of the more obscure leagues in Europe, like a Russia or a Turkey or something like that. Like he's got history there. Um, so I think that would be good for him. All right, so let's move on. So we'll go to Wolves-Aston Villa. 
Um, we've skipped over that one. But that was a Midlands derby. Um, this one was obviously most renowned for the number of cards. Um, fairly dull game, to be honest. But a couple of highlights. And then right towards the end there, so we're just going to skip over the game completely because it was just a shitload of cards and it was so painful to watch because it was so fractured because there were so many fouls. Um, did you see the two red cards? Yeah, I saw the two. Well, two, the, both of them were two sets of yellows, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I felt like Douglas Louise was hard done by. He's going up for a header. Yeah, but, I mean he's already got a he's already got a cheese in the in so the. So he can't um, go up for a header. Minute. No, just not the flailing arms like that. No. Game's gone crazy, mate. And then Gian Moutinho didn't even touch him. Sent off in the ninety fourth. Yeah, got his first card in the eighty second, and his second yellow in the ninety fourth, and um, yeah, sh- shown the door. But why, like? Why was there so much bite in this game? Is it because of the Midlands derby thing? Like, I just I didn't know, know these two teams didn't like each other. Yeah, I, well, obviously the Midlands derby thing, but it, there was a there was a bit of bite. But I almost felt like it was Mike Dean's fault. Like, Lost just control. Cause, yeah, because he just like the game was so fractured and frustrating for everyone because it kept stopping for like not much, and then so many cards. Like, it seems like it was like a really violent affair, but it wasn't. Like, it was a bit nitpicky, but it wasn't. Outrageously violent. It was just a shitload of cards. Eleven yellows, two reds. Yeah, crazy. Like I just, it wasn't like a really dirty game either. Um, but it was stale because of that. So then, um, not much. Good going. Villa. Yeah, Good and then we ninety fourth minute penalty from El Ghazi. Um, I think John McGinn burst in the box. Samido gets the wrong side of him, and it's just a really clumsy tackle. Pretty obvious pen. Um, and then that lifts. So El Ghazi tucks it home. I would have liked to have seen Jack Grealish take it. Well, I was going to ask you that. Why didn't um, – yeah, why did Ghazi take it? Like he, he's not normally their penner taker, I suppose, due to the substitutions and who was left on the pitch at that point. Yeah, possibly El Ghazi was quite fresh too. So maybe mm. that was a factor, just Jack leading. So yeah, you come off the bench, yeah. Yeah, so Villa into 10th now, but they have two games in hand. Um, so they win those two games, they can go up to fourth position. So why are they two games behind? I understand why they would be on COVID. 11 games. Yeah, COVID was one, but there's two games behind. What happened there? Uh, no, I don't know. I, think I, did, I thought they had two games cancelled because of COVID. Did they? Uh, I knew the Newcastle one, but there you go. Yeah, I think Crystal Palace maybe. Yeah, so they're in 10th with two games in hand. So potentially, yeah, could be in the top four. Yeah, if they can win them. Um, and like, it wasn't great on the weekend, but they got three points, so they'll be happy with that. So let's move on. So we're going across now to the Manchester Derby. What would you make of this one? Was this the best Derby in recent memory? Obviously not. Um, I don't know. Like, What do you think? A lot was made of the ambition of the, of the two teams. I think – oh, Yeah, like the or the lack of, yeah. So I think – I kind of agree with some of the rhetoric coming out about how, like, for me and you, it was probably just a game you cannot afford to lose, especially after what happened when they fell out of Europe that week. Whereas um, Man City, I'm just surprised Man City didn't step forward and, and take take on the, the game a bit more, especially, you know, with the talent that they've got. Um, they had a cruisy week in the Champions League because they were already through. So, yeah, I'm a bit surprised that they're... Yeah, their response um, initially on just they seemed happy to take a point as well. 
But then after Man City do that, I don't see why Man United go, well, they're not really up for it here. They're not really pushing forward. Why, why don't we go and try and win the game? That, that was probably the confusing thing. Why well, City didn't do it initially and then Man United didn't really react. Yeah, and I felt like genuinely like, the game went exactly like you've described. Like City were happy for United to have the ball in like the back third because they knew their press, like they couldn't play through the press. Manchester United aren't good enough to do that. Um, and then Greenwood and Rashford were sitting high and wide because they wanted to stop that overlap, which was like quite clever from Ollie because how many times do you see City like set up for that play where slowly like they sort of edge their way across and then Sterling or Mendy or someone like gets in behind and they slide it back across and it's goal. Like, yeah, that's that how score all the goals, right? Yeah, and that, you can see like, they set, everything is set up towards that. Um, so that was quite clever the way that he set up, but then it was also very negative um, because it basically took Rashford and Greenford, Greenwood out of the game in a attacking sense because they were just so wide and isolated. Yeah, so, I mean, both teams leave with a point, clean sheet, but who walks away slightly happier there? City slightly or United? Happier. The slightly happier. Um, I think Better United. Or... I think United are slightly happier only based on the fact they're still above City in the league. Yeah, I think I probably agree with that. Just after the week that they've had, this, as I said, I don't think I think that was a game that they couldn't afford to lose. And I think if they did lose, and especially if it was a bad one, I think all this job would have been um, coming to question. But mm, yeah, I probably agree with that. I think man, you uh, the probably luckier, not luckier, but yeah, they walk away happier than than City. But I, as I said, I think I've said it for a couple of weeks now. City just don't look like themselves, do they? They just they're not look they don't look like they're loving their football at all. Yeah, and it was, and I think someone else said that that like they just don't look like they're enjoying themselves. I think it was Mick and Richards actually, um, mm. and they really don't. But they look like almost like more scared than they have. Like there were so many times where I felt like United turned it over relatively high, and you're like, "Oh, De Bruyne, here we go!" Like, "Oh, we're done here," and it just didn't happen. Like they just seemed a little bit negative with the ball, or like a lack of movement maybe. But it just wasn't like maybe it's the absence of Aguero. Um, yeah. yeah, but like I, I put those two things together as well. I, I saw the lack of movement and then I'm like, well, they are missing Aguero, but Aguero and movement don't really go together. Like no. the reason that um, Jesus plays some of the time in front of Aguero is because he's got better movement and can press better, especially in the um, Champions League. Pep likes to play him a little bit more because of he's more mobile. So, oh, I, yeah, I sort of landed at that as well where I'm like, they need more movement. Oh, but they'll get Aguero back. But Aguero's not really the movement guy. I don't know. It just mm. they don't seem like they're clicking, um, and just not moving as well in, as freely as they have been in previous years. Are you happy with the men of the match, John Stones? John Stones. No, no, I'm not. What did John St- John Stones do to deserve man of the match? I, I don't know the what he's done. First time in his career, he's done his job. Yeah, I don't know what he did better than anyone else on the pitch, but for some reason he walked away with the man of the match. I thought Harry Maguire made some key blocks and some key tackles like Dawes as well. So, yeah, mm, yeah I think everyone else must feel a little bit stiff that Stonesy won man of the match, but there you go. I thought you Last one on this one. So what did you think of Paul Pogba starting and what did you think of Paul Pogba's performance? Uh, so I th- did he earn his start or is it just some of the agitation from the agent and Paul where he sort of aggravated to the point where Ollie's like, mm, I better put him in the team. I'm not sure he, any of his performances or any of his you know, time coming off the bench has led to um, him deserving a start. So that's my thoughts on that. And then his performance was just 
okay again. I think he just he plays just so far within his ability. Yeah, don't you think? Yeah, he, like he was he was good. He was fine. What would you give him? Probably... A six, a five? Like he just did uh, okay. I thought like I thought he was one of the better players for United. To be honest, um, without being outstanding in a pretty miserable game, I'd probably give him a seven. Seven, yeah. yeah like, he, he, was, he yeah. like got himself into some nice positions. Obviously, he sprays the ball around like not many players in the world can. Um, and he sort of drifted in centrally sometimes. And like, yeah, he's a good footballer. Um, obviously, his effort and stuff is called into question. But yeah, I thought he was pretty good. <laughs> and and him starting, do you think that's a result of um, sort of the agitation throughout the week? Or do you think he genuinely cracked into the first team? I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it's almost like fattening him up to sell him. Yeah. Like he he normally pitch. does play well against um against uh, Man City. Normally gets goals against Man City and normally plays really well against Man City. Yeah, it's it's weird. I Like almost a slide on Ollie's character that he's talked his way into the team. Mm. But, yeah, yeah, it looks a bit soft. Yeah, yeah it does. All right, so let's move on to the next one. So Manchester United are up to, what are we up to now? Seventh? Eighth, mate. Down to eighth. Not up to anywhere. You're down to eighth. Man City in ninth. Um, Yeah, both both teams sort of putting along and just outside that that top four, top five, um, ready to to strike. I think think you'll see both these teams climb from their current positions um, as the season closes out. But, yeah, at the moment, um, yeah, I think – and they've both got games in hands. Uh, Both played 11 as everyone else above them has played 12. So I don't think they'll be there for too much longer. Yeah, it's exciting times at Manchester United. So next one, Everton one, Chelsea nil. So is this the moment that uh, Rogers' multi was done? Yeah, I know Roger was buzzing, wasn't he? He picked the draw. We forgot to mention that he picked the draw um, in the the Manchester derby. And at that point, I thought we we're on. Mm. I thought, here we go, Roger's done it again. And then, um, yeah, Chelsea's really done him in here. He had Chelsea to win, and obviously Everton um, won one nil. The main question on everyone's lips: What is Mendy doing? <laughs> it looked like something Kepper would do, which is just the yeah. worst thing you can say about any goalkeeper, isn't it? Yeah, that's the biggest insult you can give as a keeper. But there's a lot of memes going around um, where they like, you know, we're photoshopping Kepa's head on um, um, Mendy's body, which is hilarious. But yeah, like just a bad decision. I, like from the moment he left and said, "Yeah, I'm going for this," I knew he was going to come second <laughs> to that ball. At no point was he going to win that, don't you think? Yeah, it, it never and looked like. And what's the danger? The guy he's not going to—he's just winning a header to sort of go forward and. Like it's not—it's not as if he's shooting there or anything. Like he's still—they're still a long way from scoring. This is no—he should just stay on his line. I know it's you easy see to see. Kepa behind the goal there, yelling, "Go, Bernie, go, 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 push, push hard, <laughs> don't pull out now." Oh no, unlucky. <laughs> um, yeah, it was—it was a horrible decision. Um, yeah, up the other end, a lot of people were waxing lyrical about Jordan Pickford's performance. What did you think of him? No. I, what about the one where, um, yeah, he's terrible. He made a – did he come for one and was it um, Mount who clipped it uh, over the bar? Yeah. Uh, oh, Havertz, I think. Havertz, was it? Yeah, hit yeah. the bar when he came out. But, I mean, yeah, he, he did not play well um, but has come away with a clean sheet. Yeah, I thought he, I, I thought he was pretty average. Um, but everyone thought, thought was no. Yeah, I thought Chilwell was lucky too. Chilwell gave a, a clear penalty as well um, but then it was reversed for um, offside VAR. So. Yeah, that was tight yeah. too. So, do you think Everton were good for the points then? 
Yeah, well, Chelsea at the bar, what, three times? Yeah. But um, Mendy made a good save as well. I think they did enough, like, without being great. Um, I thought Calvert-Lewin gave, like, a genuine old-school centre-forward performance. He worked hard, yeah. Yeah, worked very hard. Chelsea had about 72% of the ball, but they didn't create, like, a heap of clear chances, um, which is pleasing for Everton. Um, so, yeah, like, I don't have any problems with them walking away with three points based on – I don't think Chelsea were at their best. Chelsea definitely weren't at their best. As you said, a lot of those um, bigger clubs coming out of the Champions League didn't really play that well this week and, and they all really dropped points. But um, the last thing I want to say on this is and there was a beautiful moment in the game where Ancelotti is on the touchline, um, sort of out of his chair and on the edge of the box. And he's he's in um, he's rather well dressed, arms crossed with one uh, one hand on his face, sort of scratching his face, and you can tell he's in deep deep football thought at that point. Yeah. And I'm and I'm there looking at him, going, "Geez, he must be thinking deep here. Wonder what's going on." Next thing you know, who crops over? Big Tell dunk. Oh, no, big dunk. Big well. dunk comes over and leans in his ear and whispers sweet nothings into Angelotti. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, what is Angelotti thinking at that point? He's just thinking, oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you, don't, in your you don't even that think. You still here because you bash me. Yeah, you don't think like that around Duncan Ferguson in case he finds out. He would fucking bash Angelotti. Um, oh, I'll tell you what he was thinking and I'll tell you what I was thinking. was How bad was Kai Havertz? Yeah, he's struggling. He, he was awful. Um, he started on the right and then found himself out on the left um, after swapping with Werner. But, like, I felt like he was really sloppy with the ball um, and, like, kind of lazy off it too. Gave the ball away 10 times in this game. Did he? I thought it was way more than that. He really – he's, like – yeah, I know he's young and I think he does need more time and I'm probably um, a bit harsh on him, but I thought he was terrible. Yeah. Bad performance. I, like I'm not brave enough to say it's a bad signing yet. It's just all too early, I think, and he has been um, injured and I think he got COVID as well. So he has missed a, a fair few games. So I think it's just all too early to, to say whether um, he's a flop or not. But anyway, Everton up to seventh. Um, Chelsea down into fifth. Yeah, the wheels are off at Chelsea. I told you it was coming. All right, so Southampton three, Sheffield United nil. <sighs> What do you say about Chef United? They're, yeah. they're, they're terrible. Yeah, it's not working out for them, is it? It's not working out for them, but I'll tell you who it is working out for. Southampton. Into fourth. Yeah, flying. Absolutely flying at the moment. I was actually talking to my local coffee merchant this morning, and he made an apt comparison, or somewhat apt. He said, he thinks Hassan Hutel is like an Austrian Klopp. What do you make of that? Yeah. In what he's like the high press for Southampton, oh. fake teeth, um, stupid caps. No, like just the way they play. Oh, it's like, they're like a yeah, they're like a they're like a turned down version of Liverpool. Like high press tactically, everyone's up for it. Um, and I thought, well, it's not the worst worst analogy I've heard, but like they were so much better than Sheffield United, like so, so much better. Yeah, like um, I kind of see the comparison. I'm not sure how close it is, but it's a bit of a long bow, but I can see it. Um, but, yeah, that was far too good. I'm not sure whether that's reflective of Southampton or more reflective of Chef United. But, I mean, they basically – Chef United just got trounced, really. Um, Jay Adams in the goals again. Um, Ward Prowse's delivery was causing problems again. And um, good to see Redmond on the score sheet. He's found his way sort of out of the team. 
um, more recently. But yeah, he's, he's come off the bench here and, and delivered. So he's had some injury problems, Redmond. But the other thing about this game that was um, really disappointing was Sheffield United failed to muster a shot on target. Jeez, that's bad, isn't it? This is their it is their heaviest defeat all year too. Mm. They just, they just weren't at the races. Like I thought, Southend were way better than them. Um, and I'm thirty-two percent possession for Sheffield mm. United. And Phil Jagielka at the back and Billy Sharp up top. So they're landing on experience, but yeah, no, they're just, yeah, they're down one point from twelve games. Lost the last, who knows, eight, mm. seven. Lost the last seven, and they've only scored five goals this year. One point, like it's. <laughs> It's pretty dire for Sheffield United. Yeah, agreed. But I'll tell you who it's not dire for. Who's Crystal that? Palace won, Tottenham won. Roy's done how, it again. How good are Palace at the moment? They're absolutely fine. Unbeaten in the last seven. So what was interesting about this no, game that's was... that's not true. That's um, not true. No, it's not. But was <laughs> the performance of Guita, the keeper for Crystal Palace. So he was oh. outstanding, but he was still the villain. Well, I, th- I think that of both keepers. So I thought um, Larice made some good saves and I thought, um, yeah, um, Goita made some great saves as well. But what about – let's talk about the Harry Kane goal then. What's he doing there? He's no working on the other way. You've got, that is not a tough save to make. Oh, it's, it's moving. Big Harry can no, hit it. It's so far out. No. I'm not having it. I think that was an absolute howler. But then late on, he made a great save from Dyer's free kick, um, a big right hand, which I thought was really, really good. I thought um, Larissa made some great saves as well um, from Zaha and from um, Easy. Um, I thought he made some good saves there. But then the goal that they conceded, I thought was um, uh, Larissa's fault as well. Yeah, so um, one save from Guita was from... Um, and Dombele, and that was amazing. Now, if you haven't seen that, go and look at it. I reckon that saved the season. But was it a mistake from Loris? I kind of feel for him. Like, it would have been so hard to judge that. Like, there's players everywhere. Yeah, I agree. And it comes to him, like, once it clears that defender's or that striker's head in front of him, he's got hardly any time to react. But yeah. I still don't think his reaction should be to sort of put your hand up and fall to the floor. Yeah. Bit of, bit and you can see Jose was angry, like, as soon as they conceded that, that goal. But to be honest, it kind of looked like Palace were going to break um, Spurs down as well. They created some good chances, um, hit the post a number of times. Larissa made some good saves, as, as we mentioned, and I think that were good for a point. Yeah, like, and what I like about Palace is like, I feel like they, they're they such a seasoned Premier League team that they know their limits. Like They're like, we're not the best team in the Premier League, so we're just going to sit back and we have some players in easy Zaha, and your favourite, Christian Benteke, who can hurt you. Like, and that's how they play. They play within those limitations. Like, they're like, Easy's probably going to beat his man one-on-one. Will Zaha's Zaha always going to beat his man. Yeah. yeah, he'll beat him, probably beat him again too, and then again, and then lose it. But, like, they've got players who are just, like, dynamic and can hurt you, and everyone else, like, it's their job to protect the goal. Yeah. I, I thought Benteke looked dangerous again without – um, without actually getting on the score sheet, so yeah, I, th- I think Palace are looking rather well. I think Roy's got them got them purring, and eleventh is probably feels about right for, for them. I think that that mid table spot, um, given their form and, and their squad. But did you see um, Jose's quote at the end of the game? I'm a big fan of Jose's presses. No, what's he done this time? 
Um, so he said, we shouldn't have lost that game. I gave my players instructions at halftime. They come out in the second half and did the complete opposite of what I told them to do. Oh, wow, that's not like Jose to not take the blame. Because all those weeks they were winning, he got the tactics right and they executed his plan. Yeah, but now they've lost. Now they've dropped points, so it's not his fault, is it? Didn't execute his plan. Yeah, that's that's good from Jose. I can see how teams can turn on him fairly fast, don't you? <laughs> like he's very quick to take on praise, but um, as soon as things go wrong, he's very quick to criticise. Yeah, so so they slipped up here. A good chance to um, get a break from. Um, Liverpool and sort of go on top, especially with Chelsea um, losing their game earlier on. It was a good chance for them to sort of get some clear air at the top. But, yeah, I feel as though that was probably two points dropped for Spurs if you, if you were coming from their perspective. Um, yeah, I just thought they were a little bit out of it. Um, and, yeah, that mistake late cost them. But they they, they stay top um, by goal difference. And, as we said, Palace are in 11th and um, look pretty good value actually. So let's move on to Fulham 1, Liverpool 1. Now, you were absolutely adamant that Fulham were going to get spanked. Um, and for 45 minutes, I think Fulham played the best half of their season. Yeah, I think Fulham have turned a corner. Oh. Some of the earlier performances that they turned in were just not good enough and you could see them going down. But I think they... You know, they lost a couple of games where they played well and then I think from there um, things sort of started to, to turn. Um, and unfortunately, this drops them back down into the relegation zone with a Burnley win, which we'll cover soon. But I think in terms of um, performance, I thought Fulham were improving and I think that's another step forward for them. Um, and any point you take off Liverpool, um, if you're that bottom three, I think is um, has to be considered a bonus. Yeah. So just on the game, so Fulham started very brightly um, and Ivan Cavallero's profligate finishing was the only thing that stopped them taking an earlier lead. Um, but that strike from Bobby de Cordova Reed, wow. will anyone hit a ball sweeter than that this season? That was moving, wasn't it? He really cracked that hard on his right foot. A little slip pass through to him and he just smashed it on his right hey, foot. Hey, Allison looked like a right arsehole, didn't he? Like oh. Allison. An extremely good keeper, but like the ball was well and truly past him by the time he dived. Yeah, so when I, I was watching it, uh, a replay of it, and the the slow mo makes Allison look like he's just not diving or he didn't make an attempt at it. And you're like, geez, could he have done better there? And then you see it live action full speed, and you just think, no, nah, there's just too much power on that. He just cracked it, and it's probably to be fair, to Allison, he's just inside the 18 yard box, so it's not a it's not a long distance and when you hit them that hard they, they stay hit and um, yeah not much you could do there what did you think about the penalty I've sort of got two thoughts let, let me explain my two trains of thought and then um, I'll let you dive in but so Liverpool free kick the wall jumps and sort of half turns their back and the ball cannons into their hand they're inside the box because the Free kicks just on the edge of the box, gets given a penalty. And so I've got two schools of thought. One is, geez, that's harsh. Like you're in the wall and he's blasting it from essentially 10 yards and by the time you creep forward, nine yards, um, and it's hit your hand, that feels kind of harsh. The other side of that is like why are you turning your back? Like if you're in the wall, 
your actual job is to just take it in the face or take it in the head or anything like that. I don't see why they're spinning and turning their backs and, and throwing their hands up. So yeah. what, what side of the fence do, do you fall on, harsh or should they be braver and stronger? Uh, can I fall on both? Um, like I, I think it's harsh. I think it's really harsh. Like cause to jump, you need to do that. Like you need to move your hands to jump. Like you know what I mean? You're not like a duck. Um, and it, like it just whacked him in the arm. Like there's not really much you could do about it. But yeah, I agree with you. They shouldn't turn their back. But like the punishment shouldn't be a penalty. Like there's not really much they could do differently there. Well, keep your hands down, I suppose, or um, yeah, just try and take it in the face. Like I think if you're looking back now, that they've they've dropped points, and if you said to any of those players. Hey, you have to take this free kick in the face, and you get three points. <laughs> Everyone would do it. So I don't see why that they're jumping and sort of spinning out the way. But like, you have to take this ball in the face to win the game. That's that's what it went down to, really. Yeah, like they, they spun their backs, and I'm leaning towards yeah, a bit soft, a bit cowardly that they're they're jumping like that. But it is. Yeah, but I just think if you're, if you're one of the fans and you see him doing that and it's cost you points, you'd just be so angry. Mosala slaps at home, one all. Um, Liverpool not happy with the result. There was a great save from um, Ariola in there from Jordan Henderson, which was a real highlight. But um, yeah, Liverpool again just didn't look themselves very sluggish in the first half. Um, Alexander Arnold and Robertson struggled, and then Joel Matip got injured as well. So Liverpool still first or equal first, but yeah, just didn't look themselves. They didn't look themselves. Klopp was complaining that um, the turnaround was too sharp from the weekend and he thinks that his team dropped points because of the tough European fixtures and he thinks that's why the rest of them um, dropped points as well. And I just think if you're Klopp, at some point you've got to realise you're in the Premier League and games come thick and fast and, you know, welcome to the Premier League and welcome to being a manager at one of the biggest clubs in the world. It's a commercial machine first, Jürgen. Yeah. Don't forget that. All right, so look, now's your time to shine. I'll give you two minutes and then I'm going to shoot a horn out. Leicester City 3, Brighton 0. Go on, entertain yourself. What, what, much, what happened? Bloody good were we? How good were we? Right from the start. Um, got a couple of stats for you to open up. And I know from the part of the world that we are in, Matt Ryan, everyone tells me how great Matt Ryan is. And I was like, eh, I can't really see it. Ready for this stat. Matt Ryan has conceded more goals than he's made saves this year. Could he have done better on the first goal? Yes. Short answer. Yes, definitely. Terrible. Oh, that was so, the, Madison hardly hit that with his left foot and it just rolled in. But um, Leicester were just getting so much joy down um, their right, um, Brighton's left, that Brighton just looked patchy there. Um, and I think that's where most of the goals come from and a lot of the damage was getting caused as well and, and that's why they were getting peaked back. I thought Madison looked really well at the start of the year. Um, he missed a lot of games. He had hip surgery over summer. He's never scored twice in a game and um, his first goal was, yeah, probably a keeper error, if anything else. But the second one was special. couple of stepovers in the box, whipped it round on his left foot into the top bins. Uh, another stat for you here. Since Rogers took over at Leicester, Jamie Vardy has scored 42 Premier League goals. That's nine more than anyone else in that same period of time. Yeah, they're That's both having quality. a good time, aren't they? Wilfred and Deeney back for Leicester. He just shores things up. I think 
um, he just made their whole whole structure um, just feel so much safer and, and the amount of times he pinches the ball and, and gets a foot in um, in the middle of the park just makes us look so much better. His passing leaves a little bit to be desired, but I just think the way he breaks things up, he's just so important. Leicester just looks walks so much taller when he, he's in the team. I thought he was really good. Um, just the pace of Leicester is just too much. Like yeah, so- do, the, the last goal with Vardy's goal, Oh, it was a middle goal, I think, yeah. Barty's goal. Oh, my God. They just cut them to pieces there. Yeah, it was a bit too easy, that one. But then let's talk about goal number three because um, I actually turned this off at halftime because I was like, no, I've had enough of this. Um, yeah, left him in – like, he's still looking for James Madison. Special and then, goal. what a finish. Like, when he's on James Madison, he's he's really on. Like, he was yeah. outstanding in that first half. Yeah, he's like a good Jack Grealish, you know what I mean? Like just the way he can finish like that on his left or on his right. He's got got both feet. He scored an absolute worldie against Man City not so long ago as well when he batted them. But, yeah, it's good to see him back. Leicester looks so much better when he's in good form. Um, my last point on this is probably just that Leicester go into third now, but it just shows that the pace of the Premier League in terms of points has just slowed right down from the last couple of years. So Leicester has lost four games out of their first 12 and are in third. That's just a little indication of like this, how much slower the points tallies are for all of these teams. But it's good. Like it just show, like, there's so much fluctuation in the like the top couple. It's fantastic for the neutral. Um, yeah, great. That's what's All right. Now. So look, this is what I, I've been waiting all episode for this. Um, we've taken longer than we normally do to get here, but last game of the round, Arsenal nil, Burnley one, and you've got something special for us, don't you? Yeah, I do. We'll save that to the end, but let, let's chop up the game a bit first. But I suppose Wood had a great chance early for Burnley um, and, and missed that, which is a little bit unfortunate. But I suppose the turning point was Xhaka's red card, right? Yeah. A red can, card for you? Before we let's go to there, can I just mention, before Xhaka was sent off, Arsenal were dismal. So like, let's not be like, oh, that was the turning point. Like they were already awful. Yeah, Burnley weren't much better, but I think no. there's a dour game before then, and you could see not much happening. Arsenal, you've probably got higher expectations of, but I don't think they were any worse or better than Burnley when they were head to head. I just think your expectations of Arsenal are far more than they are Burnley. And yeah, but Arsenal were terrible for the squad they've got, for the top of football that they want to play, and for bringing in Arteta and the style that he wants to do. They were miles off that. Yeah, I thought they were absolutely awful. Um, and just not like, – they just don't look like they care how bad they are either. Well, I, I know it's a weird thing to observe, but like Hector Bellerin, I thought he was just so – for a player who is remarkably fast, he's so slow to react to anything. And when he does react, it seems to be wrong. Like every time. Yeah, he's got the hook the last couple of weeks too. Well, he's going to miss the next game due to suspension, so Arsenal fans are probably quite happy about that. Um, but Granit Xhaka, like, he's had his problems with the Arsenal fans in the past with the shirt incident and the captain, etc. But what did you think of the red card? Happy enough with it? Yeah, that, that's a red card, isn't it? And the incident leading up to it, I'm just not sure it requires that much anger and that much that much of a reaction, don't you? So, first of all, red card, yes or no? And is there does Jack have an actual reason to get fired up like that? Uh, red card, yes, and angry, no. And the thing about Jacker is, like, I think you could forgive it if it was like a one-off and you're like, oh, I was out of character. But he's done it before. 
again and again. again. Like, and he's an experienced player and he's someone that the club are looking to now. And, you know, there was like a, oh, it's all is forgiven type scenario. But he just goes and does something stupid again and then wonders why Arsenal fans hate him. Yeah. So then uh, if we're done sort of dissecting that game, let's, a couple of little things I want to bring up here was um, after the fans have been missing football for months, been dying to get back into the stadiums. Great news. They can finally go to the Emirates and watch their beloved Arsenal. You pan to the stands late on, the fans are leaving early. Yeah, 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 been that's, there. that's the most <laughs> Arsenal thing I've ever seen. So the only other thing that made me happy was you go back to Emirates, Arsenal's flying again, Aubameyang's scoring, and then bang, they're out. Typical Arsenal fans. Ah, oh, they're shocking, aren't they? They would have all watched then, the highlights. Oh, no. And, and then you mentioned that guy who had these, um, his COVID mask. He had that oh. over his face and went back and was half asleep. And then the, there's that Aubameyang stat. That was the last thing I wanted to bring up there about um, he scored more or, more against than four in the Prem this year. So. so as a Manchester United fan, I know I'm not coming from the best place here, but I'm sitting watching this game as obviously not an Arsenal fan and someone who grew up really disliking Arsenal because of their success. And I was just... I felt bad. Like, I was sitting on there just, like, my seat cringing. Being like, this is terrible to watch. And, like, Aubameyang is just leading this shit show with terrible performances. Oh, he's yeah. He's not a real leader, I don't think. No. And he's obviously not one of the strongest leaders that they've had at that club for a long time. But, I mean, you and I can push around um, Arsenal stats and, and look at Arsenal, dissect them. But I think what we're going to try now is um, – have our first guest on the pod. So Matt is a uh, is an Arsenal fan. So I just thought that we'd um, dial Matt in. So bear with us here. We haven't done this before. So we'll dial Matt in and um, he can tell us what he thinks of um, of Arsenal and um, whether he thinks Arteta should um, should start. Matt, Matt, are you there? And what do you think of Arteta? Oh. Really? Jacka, go, leave. Jacka, what are you doing to me? I'm sick of me. We're losing one 0 We're passing it round the back. Yeah. I'm bummed. We sacked 50 staff to pay for your new contract. I want you to do nothing. He's been bad. The plane's saying on you. I'll tell you, you have got to go. I'll oh, back you. I'll back you till the cows come home. But now he's enough. Five points off the I'm sick of it. I've had enough. We'll have to let you go, Matt. Oh, jeez. He's bloody lost it, hasn't he? Um, Jeez, there's our first call. Um, I'm not sure if we'll be doing that again, especially not the Arsenal fan, Matt. He wasn't happy, was he? I thought it went all right. Um, I saw the game, but I was like, oh, he's underreacted. (laughs) Arsenal fans are the best. Um, (laughs) All right, so our in trouble. Arsenal, um, so they lost to a relegation rival in Burnley. They are down to where's Arsenal fifteenth and Burnley into seventeenth. Um, so the last thing on that before we move on, because obviously we're pushed for time here. But um, Arteta is his job in danger now, or can he do no wrong essentially this year? It has to be in danger now, doesn't it? Like you're five points above Fulham, who are on a bit of a run. Obviously, Burnley have knocked Arsenal off. Um, I like he has to be in trouble, doesn't he? And they got Southampton this week who are flying. Yeah, three losses on the spin, and they've got Southampton next who are flying. Southampton, yeah. Everton, Chelsea, 
and then they've got a relegation six-pointer against Brighton. Like, and then West Brom the week after. So those two weeks will make or break Arsenal's seasons if they're going to get 40 points. Yeah, I think it's they're, they're probably enjoying not having fans in because if fans were there on the weekend in sort of bigger numbers than 2,000 or whatever it was, um, yeah, they'd be in trouble. But What do you reckon the banners are reading if they're there, like Wenger in? Ozil in like what? What do they? What do they want? Like, well, I think th- that's one thing that'll keep Arteta in a job. Who are they going to get? Like, there's not a lot of managers out there in the market. I think Pochettino would be great to get Allegri. Um, and apart from that, you're probably going to pick up a manager who's already at a club. So I think that makes it a little bit more difficult, a little bit more pricey, which would probably scare Arsenal off. So yeah, there isn't a lot of options there, which. And I think from the other side, if you're the manager who's in there sort of floating around asking you if you want to be involved, I mean, why would you want to go there if you're a manager? There's, it's just it's a circus there. So, mm. yeah, tough times. All right, let's move on to a EPL preview because we've got games coming up in the next couple of days. Yep, so Wednesday morning, 5 a.m., Wolves take on Chelsea. So uh, Fat Frank takes on Nuno. Who do you like in this one and why? Oh, I think I'm going to tip Chelsea to bounce back. I just don't think Wolves are have got everything together yet and then I don't think they've sort of worked out their season and, and what type of style they want to play. I know they've taken some hits in their squad and some significant injuries. So I'm tipping um, Chelsea to turn this more recent form around and um, and get it done. What do you think? Yeah, I think Chelsea will get a job here, uh, get the job done here because I don't think Wolves have got enough goals in them. Like without Raul Jimenez, they seem to be really struggling up top. Yeah, um, agreed. So yeah. I don't think they have enough goals in them to beat Chelsea, and Chelsea do have goals in them, and will be very disappointed after the weekend's performance. Um, so I think they'll bounce back, and um, they might give me a bit of a touch up too. I think. Really? Okay. All right. Speaking of touch ups, um, Man City West Brom, Man City at home here. You've got Man City. Oh, I don't know. What's Pep going to feel? Do you think he's still thinking about what happened on the weekend? Just a he might try and play Christmas yeah. pudding with um, De Bruyne <laughs> as a sixpence. <laughs> yeah, do you reckon he'll go with the two holding midfielders against West Brom? I wouldn't have thought so. Six attacking midfielders. It, it, I think yeah. I think they're going to absolutely span a West Brom here. <laughs> well, I think so too. Yeah. Oh, I think this is going to be a battering, and I fear for West Brom here. Um, so we'll see. We'll see where that lands. Yeah, take the shackles off a little bit. I think um, you won't see the two defensive midfielders. Um, potentially, Sergio Aguero might be back as well. Um, and I wonder if he'll sort of come straight in because just to get a few goals. Because Jesus, so, is, come see, comes so, up. So if you're not having two holding midfielders, um, who misses out? Fernandinho miss out. I think it'd be Rodri Ro- to be honest. Rodri. I think Rodri you think misses, Rodri misses out? out. Yeah. Okay. I think Fernandinho is better. Oh, I think so too, but he has been playing Rodri you know, when he has been playing one. So, oh, yeah. but the former, the former John Stones, but you can't move him either. So. Yeah, the match, mate. Can't do that. <laughs> six clean sheets in a row for John or something, isn't it? Or six games in a row? All right. Arsenal, Southampton. We've kind of touched on this already. I think there's no – you can't really tip Arsenal here, can you? You've got to go Southampton. No, look, I'm going to go with the bigger club here and I'm going to say Southampton will be favourites. Um, you just can't are, resist, can you? No, I'm quite enjoying this. So Southampton are up to fourth and flying and recently beat off one of Arsenal's rivals, Sheffield United, um, for those relegation spots. So, yeah, I think Southampton will beat them here. 
Um, and this might be the final straw for Arteta. Really? You think so? Like you've got, to, you've got gonna, to do something. You have to, yeah, do, something. to do something. But what are they going to do? Like what is the plan? I just can't see what their plan would be. Potentially I'm giving them. Bring back Ozil maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Well, he's not in the squad. He's in the out of the last three times they've met Southampton, um, have not beaten them. So we'll see. But on to Southampton, I think they'll be too strong. Um, and I mean, Arsenal really need a reaction, obviously, without Jacka this week as well. Yeah. Yeah, I fear for Arsenal. I fear for Arsenal. So Leicester City versus Everton, 5 a.m. Thursday. Big game. Is this match of the round or two? No, it is not. Second match of the round. Yeah. No, that's probably fair. It's probably the second best fixture here, but I think Leicester played really well, but so did um, Everton. So I think, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this game. I think it'll be a really good game. Um, but I just don't think you can go past Leicester with the, some of the players that they're, they're bringing back um, into their squad from, from injury and some of the form that um, Madison's in and Vardy is absolutely flying. So at home, at the King Power, they'll do Everton here. What do you think? Oh, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going for Everton. You never tip Leicester, mate. What's your problem? You know I have a problem with Leicester. Um, Leicester is my problem. Um, I think Brendan Rodgers is a fraud. Um, Vardy's probably a drug cheat. There's a number of things. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I just think Carlo's going to have too much for Brendy. Um, obviously, getting one over Chelsea was big for their confidence and they needed to turn things around. And I'm thinking that might be the catalyst for more. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Got the leading scorer in the league too, mate. England's Rose. Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So I think he'll um, be too much for too much for the Leicester City centre-backs. Johnny Evans will have him in his pocket. All right, we're on to um, Leeds at home to Newcastle. What are your thoughts here? Mm, this is a very important game for Leeds. Um, this, is a, this is an interesting contrast in styles here because obviously Leeds like having the ball and Newcastle United do not. Um, and Newcastle United are very good on the counter-attack and Leeds are very easy to expose on the counter-attack. So... Uh, won't be nil all, will it? But it could be a draw. What do you think? Uh, I think Newcastle will beat them here. Um, I just think they're, they're in good form. I think Bruce will set up rather well to um, punch him on the counter. And I just think that, um, yeah, Leeds just don't have the, the legs for it. I just They're not in good form. And I think Newcastle will beat them. What about going one deeper and saying Newcastle to score late on the counter to win the game based on how tired Leeds are? Yeah, that, that's a good shout. I think a lot of Newcastle's goals have come late as well, so that kind of makes sense, yeah. Yeah, Callum Wilson winner. You heard it here first. All right, so the next one, it's a relegation battle. Fulham versus Brighton. Can Fulham get it done? Uh, yes, I think they can. I think their performances have been much better. I think they're going to beat Brighton. I think Brighton are mm, a touch off the pace at the moment. Um, sort of Leicester sort of ripped them apart. Recently, um, so yeah, I think I'm going to lean towards Fulham. I think I think they're starting to turn a corner. Fulham win here and they go above Brighton. It's a six pointer for sure. I think these two teams will be um, in around that seventeenth spot. So yeah, I think it's key. Yeah, I was really impressed with Fulham's first half against Liverpool. So I think they're going to ride that high, and I think they'll do it as well. Uh, West Ham at home to Palace. Palace going to continue their form. Uh, this is actually a pretty good game. Um, like, finally poised. Um, oh, it's a tough one. 
West Ham's form is good, but Palace are quite solid. Oh, jeez. Yeah, this is a tough one. I actually think Palace will win this. I'm just going to go out in a limb. I think Wolves are hard score and Palace will win. Yeah, I've got a draw here. I, I agree. I think this is tightly balanced, but I think a lot of the games are. I think um, Fulham Brighton's would be tightly balanced. That could be a draw. West Ham Palace could be a draw. Obviously, we'll come to Liverpool Spurs. I think Leeds, Newcastle's tightly balanced. I think Leicester and Everton tightly balanced. Arsenal, Southampton as well. But um, Man City and West Brom and Chelsea and Wolves aren't really. But, yeah, I think there's a lot of tight games here, isn't there? Yeah, I think, I think I think, um, I think Palace can sort of sit back and, like, enjoy defending a bit. Um, West Ham will dominate possession. But uh, West Ham do have players that could trouble them, like Bowen, um, Benarama. But, yeah, I think yeah, it's a tough one to call. I'm going to go Palace, but. I'm going to go draw but, but how good has Bowen been this year? He's been yeah. so good. Bloody, so good. he looks like Messi against Manchester United. All right, let's get to it. The big one. Aston Villa, Burnley. No, oh, no. Liverpool, Tottenham. So first versus second. Jose versus Klopp. Who do you like? Jose. Jose. Even on the road. I think so. This, yeah, no, nah, because this, this plays right into his hands. It, this is the exact game because Liverpool are at home and they think that they are the best, which is fair enough. Um, so I think they'll, they'll push forward, um, they'll come forward and I think Tottenham will um, do a classic Jose um, and just punch them on the counter. I think they've got players to hurt them. I don't think Bale was sick this week, but he's apparently back, so I think he's going to get some minutes. Son and Kane. On the counter, I think Ndombele's been doing really well as well. Spurs look tight at the back, so I think this is going to play straight into Spurs' hands, and I think they'll beat Liverpool here. Jeez, that's a big call. Um, so it's the best attack in the competition versus the best defence. Yeah. Uh, Jose's boys have been looking good. Oh. Mate, we're not here to make your mind up. Tell us. I know, but Liverpool have lost just one of their last 15 games against Tottenham. So I think that that weighs on the mind a little bit. Uh, I think the last win against Liverpool was under Harry Redknapp. So, I yeah, Liverpool were a bit off as well. God, everyone's going to have to listen to me make my mind up here. We call this dead time. We might have to edit this out. Um, I'm going to go with Spurs based on Liverpool's injury problems, Matip missing, Jota missing. Um, I think Harry Kane will have too much for their younger centre-backs. Unless Virgil van Dijk can sort of wheel himself out there and help out, um, I think Tottenham are going to have too much for him. Okay. Are you taking the day off work? Yeah, you got to. Yeah, I think I might have to as well. Just take it all in. Um, All right, so Villa Burnley, who do you like in this one? I don't think my boss listens to the pod. Um, Villa, Burnley, you can't go past Villa. I think Burnley are rubbish and I think um, Villa still have something to offer. And so I think they're in pretty good form and I think they'll get it done. This one seems pretty straightforward for me, Aston Villa. Same. I'm going with Burnley. All right. Battle of the Uniteds next. Chef United, Man United. This This has the potential to ruin my whole weekend. Sheffield United have one point this season. And Manchester United have just been so patchy that I genuinely am concerned that we're going to be the team they finally get a win against. <laughs> really? Jeez. Why would I save his job? Sacks, <laughs> oh, I, 
I don't think you can. I, you can't. You can't lose to these. These guys are just no good. I, even though you're going away from home, I don't think like, your confidence is that high. But it's just what you need, isn't it? A trip to Sheffield United to yeah, I to think beat them. I think if it, as long as it's not hammering down rain, I think you should be able to beat them fine. Hopefully, we can get an early penalty to settle the nerves and just go from there. Yeah. All right. Um, before we go into Rogers multi, I've got some sad news that's just come to light. Um, Gerard Houllier has just passed away, unfortunately. He has not, has he? He has. Very sad. Um, he just passed away. Obviously, um, spent a lot of time at, at Liverpool and, um, yeah, won, won a lot of trophies there. And so, yeah, sad day for football, really. It is. Do you remember he had a heart attack when he was the Liverpool manager and Phil Thompson filled in? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Jared Hulia in the early two thousands. Um, Liverpool weren't, um, you know, the most successful team, but he did win a treble of sorts. Um, that's really sad. Sad news. Um, in other breaking news, the round of sixteen draw for the Champions League was on as we have been recording, and it is finished. So I might just whip through those um, round of sixteen games really quick. Muchum Gladbach is at home to Man City. Lazio versus Bayern. Atletico versus Chelsea. Leipzig versus Liverpool. Porto versus Juve. Barca versus PSG. Sevilla versus Dortmund. Atalanta versus Real Madrid. Give me your thoughts on that real quick and your fixture of that round of 16. Oh, jeez, I'm going to have to bring it up now. Um... Well, I'll go first then while you're bringing that up. Oh, I think it's you can't go past Barcelona PSG. I think it's got so many undertones of what's the history of these um, teams between each other, like off the field in terms of the Neymar transaction. Um, plus, uh, a couple of years ago where PSG were um, so far in front and then Barcelona turned the, turned the game around to, to beat them, what, 5-1 or something like that and, and, and knocked them out when they were all but through. So I think the history of this um, on the field and obviously the Neymar transaction history off it, I think this is going to be a huge fixture here for um, for PSG and both for Barca. Yeah, so um, my tie of the round, so I had to pick two so I couldn't split them. Um, so Atletico-Chelsea because I think Frank's going to get a lesson in uh, managerial prowess from Simeone. Like I love the fact that Chelsea have all the attacking tools but they haven't run into it. Diego Simeone coached Atletico yet, um, and I love I love the I love like watching teams play Atletico and then complaining after they lost to Atletico about their style. So I really get a kick out of that. And then RB Leipzig versus Liverpool, I think will be really good too, because I think it's going to be two really savvy managers in Nagelsmann and Klopp, and like that could be anything that fixture. Okay. All right. So what we're going to do now is go to Rogers Multi. So last week, um, he got off to an absolute flyer. He picked a draw in Man City versus Man United. So we're off to a flyer there. Um, he picked Southampton to beat Sheffield. So that's a tick there. But then things fell apart. Chelsea um, lost to Everton and he had Chelsea and we had Liverpool winning against Fulham. That should have been a banker. Um, and obviously that was a draw, so no good there. We've got midweek fixtures, so here we go. So we've got um, Man City to win, and a same-game multi, Man City, six-plus shots on target. Jeez, I like that. Mm. So recap on that. Man City win, 
Man City six plus shots on target. Into Chelsea to beat Wolves. Man U to beat Sheffield United. And Bruno to be an anytime goal scorer in that game. And then Palace West Ham draw. $10 down will fetch you 235 return. Yeah, right. How do you like that? It's very exotic. Confidence has grown after a heavy loss. (laughs) <laughs> Which is a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. I hope he gets that feedback. Um, just opening himself, opening himself up to those uh, online haters again. But that's fine. Look, that's very confident. I like that. I'm not sure about the Palace West Ham draw, but I can get behind the other thinking. We might post those on social too. But um, why don't we have a look into the mailbag? You've got mail. You've got mail. Yeah, so I've been a little bit of slack with the mailbag since um, basically Melbourne's reopened. But here we are. I've got the bag out again. So first one comes in from Gate Harper. So Leeds suck defending set pieces. As True. a person that has never played football at any kind of level, those in our 2018 futsal team would probably be shocked by that. Can you explain to me what might cause this? The main reason I got thinking about this is Bielsa is constantly lauded as a tactical genius. Is it purely a roster formation problem? Roster. Um, down to the set piece coach, or does he not get enough heat for his part in this glaring weakness sent from my iPhone? Interesting. No, well, he he's. I think he doesn't get enough heat, and it's clearly at the end of the day it is his responsibility. But I think um, the – I can't remember the wording that he used just there, but was it roster? Yeah. So yeah. I think one of the problems is that he – Bielsa picks players to play in a certain spot. And so, like, they're a very specific type of player. And so, when he picks those, he'd rather pick the person for, you know, that role and that style of play, which is normally with the ball and normally stepping forward, even if they are a wing back or, you know, a, a midfielder or anything like that. So, I think that's part of the problem because then when you take that player and then say, right, now you have to mark someone, they, those skills don't necessarily match up because he wants a left back to maraud forward with pace, um, to be sharp, to be able to cross and things like that. And then evidently that person um, can't always defend as well or mark as well. So I think that's part of the problem. So no, he doesn't get enough heat for it. Um, he does need to sort it out because it is a problem. But I think obviously the set pieces and the defensive coaching staff and, and goalkeeping staff need to need to work on that. What do you think? Yeah, so Marco Bielsa came out and actually answered this question during the week. He said, what's happening is not exclusively about work being done. This problem we are having, we have already had it before in the past. We have resolved it and now it's happening again. It's weird that he said he resolved it and now it's happening again, so it seems like he didn't really resolve it. But yeah, I, th- I, I do agree with you around the, like the type of players that Marco Bielsa likes. It's almost like there's an oversight in there. Whereas like, actually we... We don't have people who can like win headers, which becomes like a pretty fundamental thing when you're trying to stay up. Like you need to score from your set pieces and not concede from your set pieces because that's where you're going to get your best chances as a sort of weaker team in the Premier League. And his team's just not built like that. Especially in English football. It might work a little bit better on the continent, but not, not in English football. Yeah, and like I've seen some lower league games in English football and that is like, that is the game. Like that is what that is the bread and butter of English football. Um, I think he he does get enough heat. Like he is getting heat about this. Uh, potentially, it hasn't made it down under, but he's absolutely getting heat from Leeds fans around this. But like, there's no quick fix. Like he, you know, they can work on it on the track, but he can't make the players a foot taller. Yeah. 
But they do like some of those players in that team too are like quite tall. Like Liam Cooper's about six two. Obviously Patrick Bamford's quite tall as well. Um but yeah, it is a real problem for them. And they yeah, well, yeah usually something about it. height's part of it. But I think the other part is like concentration. So yeah, it's not, it's and, not really working. And the physicality as well, like because it does take like a more physical presence. To do like, that, not yeah. necessarily like you know a massive person, but like you need to be tight to your man. You need to do all those one percenters to make up for the fact that you're not particularly big. No, um, agreed. And they're not doing Good email, Kate. <laughs> all right, thanks for emailing, Kate. So I've got another one here from Evan Rolick. Evening, gentlemen. Mm, Evening. Not a a very 21st century opening. Um, In response to your comments about Pogba's future career prospects, I haven't actually read this. I'm not sure he is suitable for the position. All the podiatrists I know are much more talented footballers than Paul, and he's named a couple of local footballers. Furthermore, podiatrists are essentially accountants with personalities. (laughs) Much love, (laughs) Samuel Salmon. There's nothing really yeah, in that. Right. Um, just a personal attack. <laughs> thanks. More of a statement than a question, but uh, thanks for that. I, I need to be more explicit with the requests. So, look, if you want to email a question into the show, please email footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com, uh, Facebook Football Played on Paper, Insta at Football on Paper, Twitter at Football on Pods, and don't forget to give us a five star review. It's important um, to keep the show running and keep the people informed without all the other fake news out there. All right, right. mate. Huge show. We're well over time. Um, Rest in peace, Rafa. And that's it. No, Julio. Jeez, Rafa's not dead, mate. Calm down.